Well, there's more and more talk all the time about soil health. Of course, very important to farming. And this is good that it's become an increasingly large focus in the farming world. There's a lot of opportunities there as we learn more about soil and, and what it actually did. We've talked about this multiple times on the program. We've had experts on. We had David Montgomery on a while back. Ray Archuleta. I think I uh, I had to take the week off uh, recently and, and re-ran, actually, um, a, a really good best of episode with Ray Archuleta, the soil guy with NRCS. And, you know, there's folks across the country talking about the things that farming can do actually to sequester carbon, to grow more food, to help their bottom line, to protect the environment, all these incredible things that we are learning that we can do with soil. And biochar is one of the things that we're hearing about more and more. What is biochar? And where does it come from? How is it produced? And how could it be used? And what could it really do to help soil? And I understand there are other things that biochar can do as well. So we're going to find out this morning. Welcome back to The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI News Talk 790, as long as the Save Family Farming podcast on SoundCloud. Our sponsor, Pape Kenworth Northwest on Iowa Street in Bellingham. Thank you to them. Hats off to those folks for supporting this program. Joining me right now is a guy who's been researching and writing on this issue and many others, Jack Petrie, a local author and researcher on agricultural and forestry policy issues, uh, freelance uh, writer. You can read his stuff in publications uh, from across the country and beyond. Jack, welcome to the program. So explain, what really is biochar? How do you define it? Okay, well, uh, to use everyday terms, non-scientific, biochar, biochar is, is represented by the black chunks remaining when biomass, which can be wood or brush, grasses, canes, manure, other, other organic materials commonly found on a farm or elsewhere, is charred throughout but incompletely burned. Uh, if you have a campfire and you throw a shovel of dirt on it and and uh, dig it up a, a while later, you've probably got biochar. So basically charcoal? Uh, or what's the difference between it, biochar and charcoal? Okay, the difference is that biochar uh, is is basically a generic term for, for a charcoal-like product used for biological purpose as opposed to ge the generation of heat. So um, uh, it's uh, created by a, a process called, called prialysis, and essentially it's heating organic materials to a, a chosen temperature or whatever, but they're not completely burned. So there's maybe a not that much difference between uh, biochar, so to speak, and full-on charcoal, except for charcoal's meant to be relit and burned, whereas biochar is ground up, introduced into the soil, and um, is, is never fully burned. It's burned in an oxygen-starved environment. So basically it's... Um 
if I understand charcoal and thus similarly, very similar product from the way you're describing it, biochar, it's basically the carbon from, like you said, an organic, a plant matter. The thing I think we think about most is wood and and so it's it's all the other stuff burned out of it, and what's left is is the carbon, right? Is that kind of the the composition of this stuff? But what's burned out of it are are uh, volatile or organic chemicals, uh, the the things that you see when you see a flame uh, coming off of a fire. But when you when you heat uh, organics in an oxygen starved uh, situation, you you get kind of an in, it's an irreversible thermal chemical decomposition of the organic material uh, in the absence of oxygen and so if you try to relight biochar you're not going to get a relight where mm-hmm. with uh, where with charcoal it's it's not fully burned it's right. just partial but this is this is basically and and I'm, I need you to explain what the the benefits of this are, but basically it's because it, it's carbon that can be put into the soil, right? And that's how you you said people people are grinding this stuff up and putting into it into soil. Explain what it's doing, why it's uh, why people so many people are talking about it. Okay, well, what happens is is uh, when biochar is is heated to uh, at a chosen temperature. It doesn't give up most of the carbon in the orga- whatever organic uh, material is being burned. So most of the carbon remains in the biochar. So when you introduce it into the soil, you're introducing the biggest, the largest part of the carbon that was in the original substance into the soil as well. But what 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 heating it in the oxygen-starved environment and not overheating it. Uh, leads to is is a huge surface area within the within the uh, biochar. So when you put it in the soil, it it wants to reach out and grab uh, any, anything around it, and and more or less you might say suck it into the uh, the voids that are left in the material uh, after after the uh, pyrolysis process is done. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it uh, it will bind to things like uh, uh, heavy metals. It'll bind to uh, um, potassiums, all, all sorts of, of uh, materials. Uh, and uh, by binding to those, it binds them for, for thousands of years. Uh, they, they found 8,000-year-old uh, deposits of biochar in the Amazon, and it, it holds those materials for a very long time. But in the case of things like uh, nitrogens and, and potassium and things like that, it will release them on a slow basis. So, for instance, if you spread it on a uh, on a field where you've where you've been spreading fertilizer. When you spread fertilizer, you uh, much of the nitrogen and such is lost. Biochar will bind to it and then release it slowly, so you get more use out of your fertilizers. So the most common use of biochar uh, so far uh, is as a soil amendment for high-value fruit and vegetable crops. It's heavily used in uh, greenhouse and 
nursery operations because the cellular structure will soak up water, which which uh, rather than evaporating is slowly released back into the soil. So essentially, it it binds itself to a huge range of things. It's almost when when you talking to people about what it can do, you almost sound like a snake oil salesman. <laughs> because it can so do much. so many things. Exactly. Uh, it's even been uh, shown to be uh, usable in, for instance, uh, there's been a, a recent E. coli outbreak from uh, soils in Salinas, California, and they're actually doing tests down there because it seems to be able to bind the... Uh, uh, molecules and all that sort of thing that uh, uh, eventually lead to E. coli. So that there's a huge range of things it does, but mostly it's because it will bind to things and then release them very slowly. But carbon stays in it virtually permanently. So, for instance, in our forests, uh, instead of having to burn off all that wood that you see after a, a harvest, if it's turned into biochar, you wind up with a soil amendment that, and instead of when you burn that stuff, all of the carbon goes into the atmosphere as a greenhouse gas. If you turn it into biochar, it stays in the bi- in the biochar, goes into the soil, and pr- pr- provides a beneficial use. Jack Petrie is with us. He's a Bellingham-based author and researcher uh, talking about biochar with us here on The Farming Show this morning. Dylan Honkoop with you here on KGMI. Um, I think people who follow soil health, uh, people, you know, farmers, agronomists, folks like that, know that increasing soil carbon is a positive thing, especially when you're looking at the amount of nitrogen in your soil. It has to be balanced by a certain amount of carbon. Um, uh, for plants' needs, for the microbiome's needs, uh, as we're recognizing more and more the importance of that in the soil, uh, understanding soil not just as a, a media, if you will, to pass nutrients through, but actually a living uh, community of all kinds of you know bacteria, uh, fungi, etc., 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 and carbon is a part of that recipe and can also be an issue in intensively farmed soils where carbon can be depleted from soil and can be healthy to, to bring that back in. What kind of results are, are people who are using this uh, seeing? What, what's the direct, immediate impact on their crops? Well, uh, typically people are reporting really good impacts, uh, partly because uh, the use of biochar allows uh, fertilizers and all that sort of thing to be more efficiently applied. Uh, so in, in general, uh, results have been really good, and the Department of Agriculture has done over the past 10 years or so, which is sort of uh, the time in which biochar is suddenly coming to the fore, uh, uh, they've done hundreds of studies that show all sorts of uh, beneficial things. So. Uh, as I say, uh, uh, the, the most common use recently is as a soil amendment for high-value fruit and vegetable crops, but there are all kinds of other uses as well. So, for instance, the uh, city of Stockholm has won uh, uh, awards because they take all of their green waste, and instead of composting it, and composting, as you know, the whole purpose of composting 
is to boil all of the carbon out, which goes into the atmosphere as greenhouse gas. Uh, they're turning it into biochar and putting it uh, all of their uh, greenhouse waste back into the soil in their park system and getting good results. Uh, in the Willamette Valley, uh, blueberry growers are using it. Uh, and as I said, in greenhouses and nursery operations, it's it's becoming commonplace uh, for planting because it holds water, holds carbon, holds, you know, as I say, uh, you sound like a, or one sounds like a snake <laughs> oil. So, uh, talking about all of the things that it does. It's it even um, where we we have quite a few dairy cows around here. Uh, it's even used as an additive, uh, especially in Europe, uh, to um, feed dairy animals uh, because it will bind with the methane in their gut and come out as a, a high value soil amendment instead of um, methane emissions, which. Uh, some people claim uh, are bad for the atmosphere, and Lot, they are. Lots of things um, that can be done with this. I guess that leads me to my next next question, which is, um, and by the way, we're talking with you know, local author Jack and researcher Jack Petrie on the issue of biochar and what is biochar, and he's done a good job of explaining it and how it's used and the benefits that it can have. How can this be scalable, though? How can how how is it being produced, and how could it be produced in an even larger fashion um, to really be able to supply the needs of of using it in a widespread way on on farming ground? Well, that has been a problem, and the problem comes because uh, many of the feedstocks, uh, you know, old canes from raspberries or or or. Uh, wood left over after a logging operation and such don't have much value. And so if you have to load them into a truck and haul them to a, to a place, uh, to, to have them turned into a biochar, uh, it gets expensive. But there's new equipment coming on the market. Uh, a, a company in New Hampshire, uh, recently did a, a demonstration before several hundred, uh, Foresters and, and county representatives and, and and such in Oregon, uh, where they just went through a, a logging operation and burned the uh, waste wood. Uh, you've all seen stacks of of waste wood after a logging operation. Yeah, slash piles. Slash piles. Uh, well, they uh, dump them through a machine, and they can uh, do about. Uh, uh, 20 ton a day of uh, biochar right on the site of the logging operation, wow. and that has two. That has two benefits. One is it can be spread right to there and return nutrients to the forest. And uh, many of the uh, people who say claim to be environmentalists don't like nutrients being taken out of the forest. Well, here you're putting putting them right back into the forest. Or it can be uh, sent to a processing facility, ground up, and, and, and in this case, it, it was used for uh, blueberries. So um, that has been the problem, and it, but the equipment is beginning to catch up with, with the need. 
the other problem is uh, there's just not a large realization of what biochar is and how much and what it can do, and that and and as is is the case with almost anything new, it takes time for farmers and such to learn that they can rely on it. Is so, it is it expensive to buy this stuff? Let's say somebody else is making it, and like you said, processing it, and and it's in in the case that you were talking about using it in blueberries, is it is it comparable to like buying fertilizer or how expensive is it to get it well it's it's not that expensive in fact i think in everson there's a uh, company that uh, creates quite a lot of biochar uh, out of um, out of logging waste uh, but the expense as as again is is the case with with most everything as it comes into wider use the costs go down um, so uh, it's not really expensive. That's been one of the problems. It's it's possibly not expensive enough uh, because uh, because then creating the biochar has to it has to be done at a cost that right. that works economically. Uh, but uh, I think I think there's kind of a general um, thought, and and um, governments are promoting the thought that costs will come down as more use takes place. So it is being produced here locally? Uh, yes, I believe in Everson there's a company, I forget what it's called, Black Owl or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes it's, it's, it's being produced across the United States and has been for quite some time. And in Europe, it's a, a much bigger thing. Europe tends to um, be more willing to ex- accept Primarily for regulatory reasons, uh, European governments will accept things uh, that take a much longer time uh, to come to the market here, as can be seen in uh, in the medical markets and everything else. Uh, but in Europe, it's it's broadly used, and in uh, the the markets, the commodity markets, are projecting double-digit growth for the next ten or fifteen years. I'm just uh, checking the um, Googles here, and it looks like uh, Black Owl. Is that the name of it? Black Owl Biochar? Uh, right. The name of the outfit in Everson. That's pretty interesting. We should get in touch with them, bring them on the, the program here as well. We've been talking with Jack Petrie. Again, he's a, an author and a public policy researcher uh, on forestry and agriculture issues. He's published all across the country on a variety of works, um, chatting with us here this morning about biochar. Jack, thanks for filling us in, and and it'll be interesting to see what becomes of this. As, like you said, a lot of people just don't know about it or, or understand really everything that goes into it and what comes out of it, what the results are of the use of this, this biochar product. So we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about it this morning. Not a problem, anytime.